Welcome to Net Zero Investors Better World series of interviews sponsored by CCLA, where we speak to people whose work addresses the climate crisis in a variety of ways. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Howarth, Chief Executive of Share Action, an organisation which coordinates civil society activism to promote responsible investment across Europe. Catherine, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you, Peter. Let's start with that description, civil society activism. What does it mean in practice and and why is it important? Well, I mean, if you look back at uh, the history of of any social or environmental progress that has come about in the world, it's always because civil society citizens are making the case for it and pushing. Uh, You don't get the power of government or the power of finance activated for helpful social and environmental objectives without civil society pressure. And so what we exist to do at Share Action is coordinate and support uh, actors across civil society from trade unions to um, environmental NGOs to really sort of become more sophisticated in their engagement with big finance and to press the point uh, in multiple different ways, actually, that finance must step up uh, in in the face of the climate crisis, in the face of the biodiversity uh, crunch that we uh, also collectively face, and also for uh, social and environmental objectives. Now, um, I and and the great thing is that because all of us have, many, many, many of us have pension savings and bank accounts, we're part of that system of finance and we're very much entitled in civil society to exert pressure and demand more uh, and better from finance. So that's what we try and do at Share Action. So that's a, that's a nice phrase to, to, to start with. Finance must step up and let's look at the extent to which it is doing. So we've seen a proliferation of investor groups emerge over the last few years like GFANS, Climate Action 100, the Net Zero Asset Owner uh, Owners Alliance, whose whose remit to some extent is guiding its members through this process of engagement and helping them develop the tools that they need to take into negotiations. How are these investor groups doing? Let's start with Climate Action 100. Well, the first thing I'd say is that what is very positive and pleasing in the last, let's say. Five years. I mean, it really started just in the build up to uh, COP21, but it's been building incredible momentum since then. It says this acknowledgement by politicians, by people in society and within the finance sector itself that finance has a role to play, a critical role to play in enabling low carbon transition and that it it can deploy capital to, to to those ends and should do. So everyone's acknowledged that and you see that in the um, GFANS, which is the Financial Alliance for Net Zero and Climate Action 100 Plus. They're all they all represent an acknowledgement of finance's role. The problem is for the moment is that, no, uh, those uh, coalitions and global networks are not yet doing what they need to do to actually get us on a path to net zero. So there's this kind of reality gap and rhetoric gap between 
what's being pledged and promised, which is great because just acknowledging that that should happen is a very important first step. Um, But no, there's a gap between what's being promised and what's being delivered for the time being. And that presents us at Share Action with a very important role, but others as well, uh, other allies in civil society, which is to hold a mirror up to that and highlight that gap and demand that that gap be closed. And I remain optimistic it can be, but I'm also very realistic that it won't happen without concerted pressure. And also that, to be fair to those financial institutions, there's only so far they can go without stronger public policy that comes in and does things like tax carbon, for example, but also require uh, financial institutions to get on this pathway because voluntary initiatives are only going to get us so far. We do need the kind of mandatory force of the law helping to put uh, financial institutions on the right pathway. Let's uh, talk a little bit about then the extent to which they're, they're falling short of, of, of what they were, where they would like to be. Uh, now, what, you know, one of the tools which I mentioned before they have is engagement. Is, is engagement working? So well, let's just talk about Climate Action 100 Plus, because that is the highest profile and, 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 and biggest global investor coalition for the purposes of engaging with really, really high carbon companies that are in the portfolios of these big investment um, pension funds, asset managers, and so on. And what was brilliant about Climate Action 100 Plus is that it it conceptually said, look, there's actually a relatively small number of systemically important high carbon emitters in the corporate community, some in the chemical sector, obviously lots in the fossil fuel sector, in steel, in cement. And so why don't we pick off the let, I mean, it's it's just short of 200 or so, but 200 or so firms um, that between them, if we could move them onto a low carbon transition pathway, would really make a massive impact on the climate problem. So it was very well targeted, you know, by the, there are thousands and thousands of firms in the world, but really a small number that uh, are systemically high carbon emitters. Um, that, and, and so that was a brilliant premise. Uh, Climate Action 100 Plus is five years old now. At the end of five years, what's really disappointing is that those high carbon companies are still far from being on the pathway that they they need to move on to. And what's particularly disappointing in a way is that investors haven't really used the tools they have. So investors do have a really powerful toolkit. They can vote off at the annual general meetings of these companies the boards of directors, they can just say, sorry, you're not doing it fast enough. So you're not fit for purpose as directors of these companies. We're going to use our votes to move you on and bring on to these boards directors that are genuinely committed to transition and will put in place, you know, the the capital deployment plans for these companies and the you know design the strategies that move those firms into new technologies and new markets and new opportunities where they can still be successful, profitable firms, but not ones that whose profits are predicated on massive emissions. But uh, investors aren't using that toolkit to the full yet. So I think it's it's so far all a little bit disappointing. And I say that coming from a position at Share Action, that we're really pro-engagement. We do think that if you know the big investors of the world just um, sell all their shares in high carbon companies, 
uh, to somebody else who isn't interested in in, in uh, transition, then we won't get there either. So we're, we're not kind of, we, we have our doubts about divestment as a strategy if we're really going to move what happens in the real economy in these companies. But equally well, to be fair to people in the divestment camp who said all along engagement might not prove so useful, that so far they're right because engagement is not delivering what it promised five years ago when Climate Action 100 Plus was launched. But look, it's not too late to get it right. And we at Share Action, along with other allies, are saying, let's have a next generation of work in capital markets where engagement becomes just a lot more fierce and activist. And the directors of companies, high carbon companies that aren't on a transition pathway should fear for their jobs, should be voted off, should be replaced. And, and, and you know, so it, it's completely doable, but it takes a bit of bottle um, and courage and commitment from investors to take on uh, the directors of companies that aren't making the progress required. Now, if one of the key measures to uh, engendering change is voting directors off boards, are you are you absolutely confident that waiting in the wings is is a whole army of people who can step into these positions and and not just commit to the transition, which obviously is clearly uh, the you know the most important thing vis-à-vis the conversation we're having today, but can also run these companies, you know. Uh, or, or are you sort of stuck to some extent with uh, as an investor with the experienced people that are managing these companies, and you have to sort of uh, you have to edge them slowly and slowly closer to your end game? So yeah, I'm very confident in that. I think there is loads of talent around. There's plenty of talent uh, to sit to serve on the boards of the world's highest carbon companies. No, no problem at all. In fact, there's a brilliant initiative called Chapter Zero, which is a network across the world of board directors who are committed on the climate uh, question. And that's a growing network all the time. There are brilliant people that can that can be moved onto the boards of companies that haven't made the transition. But furthermore, let's be clear that once directors think, oh, crikey, this is serious. I have to do this. I have to really focus. I have to do my homework and, you know, really learn about the science of climate change, really learn about the new technologies that are potentially coming into my sector and industry. There's no reason to think we couldn't upskill and uh, shift the thinking of the many, many of the existing directors on these high carbon companies. In fact, all that's needed is a bit of a sort of shock into the system where a small number of directors do get voted off. Everyone else will sharpen up their thinking and, uh, and, and plus bringing in some, some new talent of which there is plenty around. So very confident that that is not a barrier. Are you then fearful that since, um, you know, engagement to a large extent, certainly within the financial sector, appears to have won the debate about engagement versus divestment? Are you fearful that uh, there are a lot of people who are quote unquote engaging who are actually just having nice, polite conversations which are ultimately meaningless? Well, that, that's exactly the point. There's, so there's a lot of there's a lot of chat <laughs> between investors and companies, high carbon companies, and not enough focused outcomes emerging from those chats. And if 
the progress isn't being made, that's when investors start to use the tougher tools they have in the toolbox, like voting against the directors of companies where the progress isn't being made. So it should start with conversations. Absolutely. It should cut, it should start with a, with a real exchange between uh, shareholders and firms about what the transition looks like. And let's be clear that it is a difficult transition for certain sectors, for certain hard to abate sectors like chemicals. Um, the, the technologies that take us to net zero are fairly nascent. And uh, so there's there's risk involved in the journey. But of course, there's risk if we don't transition, huge risk. And that's what investors need to be weighing up. Like, you know, we know that for the long term, if we don't make this transition, we'll all be paying a very high price economically and environmentally. So this has to happen. And uh, it starts with conversations about how it's doable. But if there's no progress being made, if there's no action emerging, then investors have the tools and must use them to push the pace at companies. For the people who are in a position to do something about this, so let's take again the example of the directors on the companies that we're talking about. What do you think is motivating them uh, in holding up the transition? So, look, I mean, let's take the fossil fuel sector. Uh, The fossil fuel sector... um, has been making fabulous, fabulous profits since um, the uh, war in Ukraine, uh, Putin's war in Ukraine. And, you know, old habits die hard. Like, there's a lot of money being made in the short term. Uh, It it continues to be the case that senior executives are rewarded based on financial returns in the short term and, um, and in some cases on kind of fossil fuel volumes and so on. Now, there's some sophisticated work going on to look at what incentives are required that that help to move transition. But at the moment, a lot of this is a bit of a fig leaf. So, you know, there's overall in the kind of variable remuneration part of a chief executive's pay at one of these companies, you know, that there's a there's a 5% allocation to sort of ESG uh, metrics. But it's still the case that you basically get rewarded for making buckets of money for shareholders in the short term. So, so there's a whole bunch of reasons why people are clinging on. And it's not just that, it's also, you know, that question of uncertainty. Uh, You're making big investment decisions for the next generation of technologies. How brave are you to kind of move into some of the more nascent and um, underdeveloped technologies? So, so there's lots of reasons to cling to the status quo, and it's all very understandable. But that's the point about investors overseeing big portfolios with multiple, multiple sectors represented, all of which will pay a high price if we don't move these high carbon sectors on and transition them. So investors need to have that broader perspective, that long term perspective, and to be really decisive particularly when they publicly signed up to it. So, you know, it is really disappointing that um, investors at the COP conference in Glasgow all said, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're signing up for net zero. We're really serious and brandished their credentials. And now it feels a bit greenwashy. And and then that creates disillusion, quite rightly, um, out in broader society. And when you ask ordinary people, how they want their pension fund invested, there's this huge appetite to be committed about sustainability. So I think there's a there's unfortunately a big gap between what investors are delivering on all of our behalf. Because don't forget, we're talking about 
the community we're talking about are professional investors that investing other people's money, our money, on our behalf. And uh, one of the things we'd love to see changed in Share Action is that the investment community, the professional fund managers and pension funds would do a much better job of being in touch with the members of pension schemes, asking them what their priorities are and telling them about the progress that they're making on this net zero journey that they've signed up to. Uh, there are some fantastic pension schemes doing this, by the way. Um, for example, um, the railways pension scheme in the UK, which is a big one because lots of people work on the railways, um, does a wonderful job of asking its members about what their ESG priorities are. And climate comes up really high. By the way, so does treating workers well um, and paying fair wages in the, in the thousands of companies that are whose shares are held in the, in the railways pension scheme. So, you know, it's not that there's only one issue that matters to pension savers, but climate is right up there. And that should give pension funds a lot of encouragement and, and courage to be bold on the climate agenda because it's backed by the membership. OK, so you mentioned incentives there in the financial system not being essentially not being aligned to net zero and so sort of motivating a short termist um, mentality within within companies. Flip side to that is disincentives and sanctions and potentially punitive action. Uh, and th there are a lot of people out there calling for the companies that damage the environment to adequately compensate everyone else for the costs that we will inevitably bear in cleaning up the damage and mitigating the damage or adapting to it uh, eventually. So to what extent do you think company directors should be held responsible for environmental damage? And then by extension, how about the pension funds and investment managers that invest in those companies? Well, let's start with the company directors. So it's, it's not Share Action's area of speciality, but I'm immensely excited by the whole sort of strategic climate litigation development as a as a, as an area and um obviously very very interested in the work for example by client earth taking on the directors of shell and in a very sort of experimental and pioneering uh legal case looking to hold those directors personally liable uh, around their failure to transition the company at uh, at the pace required and in alignment with uh, what science demands. So uh, alongside shareholder activism, uh, litigation and strategies that challenge companies and, and hold them to account uh, for damage uh, is, a, is a really important part of the, of the broader toolkit to help move the global uh, commercial community and business sector it, it, on the journey required. Um, they fit together very well, in my view, uh, because, uh, of course, as soon as investors see companies at risk of litigation, it, it, it immediately raises risk red flags for them and can influence, um, uh, can influence valuations of companies and should drive investors to look with that risk lens at all of their investments and their, the companies and be pushing to ensure that companies and their directors are not leaving themselves open to uh, risk of litigation. So, so I think they really work nicely together. Now, uh, you raise a really interesting second half of the question, which is about pension fund liabilities. 
And I think that we've seen a little bit of that emerging as a really interesting case in Australia where a pension fund member effectively began the process of suing the trustees of his pension scheme for neglecting climate risk considerations in the portfolio. And the case never went to court because what happened was that the pension fund immediately developed a pretty good uh, climate risk management strategy and set about uh, uh, shaping up uh, and and quite right to be prodded by by one of its members. And there've been little sort of bits of that uh, in the UK as well. Um, But I, I, I think given that we put our money away month after month from a paycheck into a pension fund and won't see it for decades, we should be um, really on the ball about making sure that long-term risks of which climate change is clearly a paramount one are being pretty actively managed by the people in charge of our money. Um, And I, I guess it can feel a bit obscure and a bit far distance after all it is going to be decades before you pick up your pension and so most people are quite rightly and understandably right now focused on the current cost of living crisis and you know what to do about you know the fact that energy bills are spiking and all the rest of it so thinking about your pension for the long term can feel a bit um like a lower priority but i'm happy to say that there are a small number of wonderful dedicated people who really recognise how powerful their pension fund can be as a sort of part of creating the change they want to see in the world um, and the action they want to see from the corporate community and are part of organisations like my own at Share Action, but also brilliant um, activist groups like Make My Money Matter that are just doing a really good job of of holding the pension fund uh, sector accountable on this. Although the... the Predominantly, the message of Make My Money Matter has has been one about divestment. So, so whereas you know, I, I think they've they've hit upon a really great idea, which is guess what? Your pension fund matters. It can do something. You have agency. Are they right in saying that what you should do with that agency is divest from the companies you're invested in? And I think you know, in terms of in terms of what you know people can practically do that has been their core message um, i don't i i don't wouldn't say their core message is divestment actually but uh and by the way i'm not anti-divestment i think there are there are companies that are handling this so badly that you should divest them just because they're a rotten financial um risk and you shouldn't you know you don't want your pension fund full of companies that are um going to fail uh to make you money i mean after all the pension fund does exist to ensure you can retire securely so if if there's there there can be a case for divestment i'm not i'm not religious on the matter and i don't think make my money matter are either what they've done which is good is press pension funds to make overall net zero commitments and then start showing how they're going to uh, get there and i so I, I, it's not mainly a call for divestment that I hear from them. And uh, I think they've done a wonderful job of alerting people in the UK to the power of their pension. Let's, Catherine, let's give you a magic wand to take to COP27. Uh, and what's the one measure, big or small, uh, you would like to see that might help unlock private investment at scale 
in the green transition? Well, I mean, we're not going to see it at COP27, but we definitely need carbon taxes all over the world and coordinated way. We still fundamentally face a problem, which is that pollution, carbon pollution is 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 free to do mostly uh, in most economies. I mean, that's not entirely true. And there are there are bits and pieces of carbon pricing around, but not nearly at the scale required. And of course, once there was a true cost of carbon, everything else in finance would just fall into place around this. Um, what we're trying to do is sort of, in a way, push water uphill uh, by by pushing financial institutions to do things which in the very short term, because there isn't a proper cost on carbon, um, can feel kind of almost financially irrational. Um, now, they should still focus on that long term because they have a fiduciary legal obligation to look after our best interests, um, those of us with pension savings. But uh, it would really be transformational if we could get a proper price on carbon all over the world. So that would be my silver bullet magic one thing at COP27, but I'm not holding my breath. And therefore, we will continue uh, through the COP and well beyond the COP to challenge and hold accountable powerful financial institutions to doing everything they can to help us move um, to net zero at pace. Catherine, that's an excellent note to end on. So we've got time for. I'd like to thank our Better World sponsor, CCLA, and a big thanks to you, Catherine Howarth, Chief Executive of Share Action. Uh, Thanks for joining Net Zero Investor today. Thank you.